how do we, how can we walk in a confronting, engaging, deeply surrendered, all-in, provocative type of love? Because in the end, that's how Jesus walked. That's how he existed. And it talks about, like, how can we have the same perception as he did? How can we walk in that same love? So we're going to break it down. Uh, I, always, it's a, I always get challenged, always get challenged to love better. Because I think, I don't know, whether it be the, the household that I grew up in, it was always critical, it was always judgmental, whatever it was. It was like, we could do it better than what we saw. And it's like, God is always rearranging the compassion and the, like, the love muscle in me to see through the eyes that he sees. Because it's almost like it's the, that's not the deliberate response, but I think it's, it's like the thing that we constantly have to choose. And I'm like, all right, so how do I choose that more often? It's like... Huh, Loving people, stopping when you're busy, like that, that's the thing, you know, it's like going beyond the socioeconomic barrier, like, ah, I can't break that person, I can't love that person because they're out of my natural understanding for culture or smell or whatever. He's like, no, no, you're called to get outside that. So the idea is like, how can we, how can we love in a provoking, greater way? Because that's the thing that will change people around us. It'll change everyone. Like I'm saying, love when it's dirty, love when it's not easy, when it takes away from the things that we have planned. I was so challenged, I was with Sparrow, and we were actually getting off the, the train stop and um, at Nostrand, and we're walking down, and we had, I had taken her to a business meeting that I was at, which I love to do, and now she asked me, she's like, can I go to, can we, I pick her up from school, where I, when she was in school, she's like, are we going to a meeting today? <laughs> not today. And I, I just love it, because... At that meeting, I had I had prayed for the person that I was actually doing. You know, it's like, you know, we talked about fashion, we talked about business, and I was like, hey, can I pray for your leg? She was like, uh, okay, yeah, all right. And uh, she's like, yeah, okay, yeah, Jesus, Jesus, let's do this. Pray for her leg. Sparrow laid her hands on. We're like, she's like, that was awesome. All right, cool. So we got on the train, and then we get off at Nostrand, and uh, we walk we walk past these two two homeless gentlemen, and Sparrow was like, Dad, he looks hurt. Can we pray for him? And I was like. Yeah, let's do that. And so we went and prayed for the two homeless guys, and uh, it was awesome. It was, but it was like challenged in that aspect to see in the eyes that don't care about what they look like or who. Like it was, it was devoid of judgment, right? It was so the eyes of like, hey, they need help. Let's do it. And I was like, thank you for highlighting that, Sparrow. And then I remember, you know, it's like, like pushing yourself past these boundaries because it's like Jesus didn't have any boundaries at all. We're gonna read, we're gonna, we're gonna break down Mark because I think Mark is a really interesting book in the Bible because. It was written by Mark, um, obviously through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But he was alive when Peter was still alive. So basically, it was Peter basically relayed the story of what was going on and what the acts that Jesus did. And then Peter, then and then Mark wrote. Um, but there's a story, and we'll get to it, where he literally Jesus is outside Galilee, and he literally cannot go into the city because he's done so many miracles that like if he goes in the village, he get mobbed. So he's like rolling on the outskirts, and there's literally this guy with leprosy that rolls up and he's like, pray for me. He falls in front of him. And Jesus goes, because the, le- the guy with leprosy goes, I know if you pray for me, I'll get healed. And Jesus could have done one thing. He could have gone, well, I don't know. You know, you, you got leprosy. If I touch you, I'm going to be automatically unclean. I could get this. It's highly contractive, whatever. And uh, he doesn't. He goes, yeah, okay. And it says that he was moved with deep compassion. He, Jesus was moved. The one who, like, he invented compassion. And he's moved. And, um, he prays for him, but most importantly, he touches him. 
and he gets healed instantly. And of course, then he goes like, "Don't tell anybody." And the guy goes, "Like I'm healed." He's like, "But I thought it's like even in that aspect, like Jesus did something that in that day and age was so against the norm, was so beyond what was even status quo. And he loved in a deeply provocative way, and everyone would run away and be like, "Oh my gosh, my life has utterly changed." So, always getting challenged to step out in that space beyond what is the thing you'd be like, ah. Uh, you know, it's a little too much by love to be where you're at. So, I think it's really interesting. When Mark wrote the book of Mark, he wrote it to the Romans, the Roman Christians. So, he actually, uh, you know, I think New York is a lot like, New, New York is a lot like Rome. That's true. It's about money. It's about sex. It's about, you know, making it, being successful, all these other things. Right? It's about a very performance-based city. And this is it. And we, I think it's really interesting because... Mark explains Jewish traditions. He's not writing to, to Jews. He's ex- he, he, he actually translates, translates Aramaic into Greek and then replaces Greek words with Roman words to become actually in like, you know, in the way that I love the Passion Translation and the Message Translation because I feel like it's, you know, I like things that are a little bit more verbose, verbose, a little bit more explained. You know, like Mark did that in a way to like relay the beauty of what Jesus did. And think about, Mark was about some key things. It was about the person of Jesus, what he was like, it was about the mission of Jesus. Why did he come? And then it was about the work of Jesus. What did he do? And it was about discipleship faith. And it was about how can we be taught and what his interactions with his followers were like. How can we learn from it? How can we actually do what he did? I love it. Mark introduces Jesus as the one with the mission of love and power to change the world. That's how he's introduced from the get-go. It's like, all right, so we actually have that same ability to walk yeah. With that mission of love and power. It's great. The thing is, the love from heaven has this deeply intrinsic power associated with it, right? So I'm just like giving you a hug. Now, like the love of Jesus actually has the ability to change. We have through that agenda of love, we have the ability to pray, to heal, to prophesy, to encounter people in a way that they can be changed. Mm-hmm. And think about this. I love this. <laughs> um, it talks about this word. Uh, Mark uses the word, the Greek word, uh, euthios, which actually means immediately. So he uses it like 45 times throughout the entire book. And there is this urgency about Jesus working. And I think that same thing applies to us. Like, it's not like kind of sitting back and being like, ah, you know, the next person will get it. No, it's like being urgent. The second you feel that prompting, the second you hear that, that highlight, like, what are you being urgent about when it is about being obedient with his love for that encounter? It, Super honestly, I literally, you know, we came back from Cambodia, we were seeing all these miracles, crazy stuff, and came back, and I was like, I don't know if I want to pray for anybody here. And I was like, man, what is going on? I literally was in Soho on Thursday, on Thursday, and walked past this lady with a cane, and God was like, pray for her. And I was like, no, I pray for her. I don't know, something like that. And it was like, I, it was being fully transparent, it was like, I didn't do it. And I think it's super interesting. The next night, I'm with a friend who's in town for like one night. And we go in to, he's shopping. And we're talking. And I'm relaying stuff that we had done in Cambodia. And uh, that's insane. And we walk into this the shopping circle. It's right next to Supreme. And um, there's these like four staffers in the shop. And they're all talking about evolution. And we're like, okay. Right. He's looking at his shoes. We're talking. And then they kind of like, one of them disperses. And then he, we start talking. We're like, hey. You know, there's something better now. Like, we actually believe in the Creator. And they're like, what? So we then, in the end, we end up, we end up having this insane encounter where we, like, prophesy and pray over three of the staff members that are all left. Like, insanely specific prophetic words 
Actually, they actually may have come tonight, but maybe, you know, they're like 25, so who knows when they show up. Um, but <laughs> they're walking right now. Yeah, like, what's up, guys? Um, but it was, it was awesome. And it was like, you know, like when you re-engage that thing in yourself, you're like, ah, why did I negate the ability to just be obedient? Why didn't I love in the way that I shouldn't? But so it's like you know, sometimes you have to like you know, it's like it's this deliberate poise to do it. This deliberate thing, where you're like, all right, what am I? What am I actually doing? Am am I am I being obedient? Am I with urgency, loving in the provocative way that Jesus did? <laughs> oh, yeah. Come on. So. Hmm. The point of Mark writing was to point out two things. The first being. Jesus' messianic identity, right? And the second was the fact that... Um, actually, we'll, we'll just keep going. Think about this. The book starts with Mark saying that he's about to write... Actually, we got five minutes left, so we're going to go... I'm going to skip around here. Dun, 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 dun. Well, no, we'll go through this. The book starts talking about the wonderful news of Jesus as the Messiah. First John's in the wilderness, he's baptizing people. He's like this crazy dude out in the middle of nowhere. Tons of people are coming, baptizing. Jesus rolls up, goes, all right, you got to baptize me. John freaks out. He's like, I get to baptize you. He's, he's like, yes. Goes under the water, comes up. Dove rolls out from heaven and goes like, this is my son who I'm well pleased with. Rolls out. Um, and it basically activates, right? And then Jesus starts to do crazy stuff. He then goes in the desert for 40 days, you know, gets tested, uh, devil's like, no, worship me. Dude's like, no way. Turns rocks into bread, like, you know, all this crazy stuff. Angels are feeding them with rocks and rolls, right? And then he gets out and he starts doing miracles wherever he is. Galilee, on the outskirts, right? Healing tons of people. And, and then it just goes on and on. He starts preaching, telling the good news. He's speaking about how he's the fulfillment of all the prophecies. People are freaking out. Um, and then he starts going along like he's along the Sea of Galilee. He's telling people, hey, you want to follow me? You, you're my disciple. They were like, yeah, I guess I am. Let's do this. And he gets like four or five guys and they start going around. And it's really interesting, right? <laughs> he was compelled by love. He was compelled to do all this stuff, not by like, ah, I want to be like seen as like the man. That was not his goal. His goal was like, how can I be the expression of God the Father here? And I love it. He was compelled by love. And I love this thing in Second Corinthians. For it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us. Because we are absolutely convinced that he has given his life for all of us. This means all died with him. And I love this too because there's a breakdown in this. Paul uses the Greek word, I know I'm going here, uh, synechio, which means together. And it's where we get our word echo. So it translates to compel, to overwhelm, to dominate. So Paul is saying that the motivating passion of his life is Christ's love filling his heart, leaving him no choice but to surrender everything to God. Great. No choice. Anyway, that, Jesus then continued to go through the rest of the region, healing and just kicking butt for heaven. I love it. So here's a cool thing. It's the last bit. One of the, the, the miracles, because I think there's 24 miracles that are within Mark. And this is one of the last ones. Well, it's in Mark 8, so it's in the middle. Uh, Jesus healed blind eyes. When they arrived at Bethesda, Bethesda, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, begging him to touch him and heal him. So Jesus led him as his sighted guide outside the village. He's like, we're going to do this. He's like, I don't want to instill a ruckus, so we're going to do this outside. He, he, um, 
He placed saliva on the man's eyelids and covered them with his hands. Then he asked, now do you see everything? And the guy goes, um, my sight's coming back. I'm starting to see people. They kind of look like trees. And Jesus like, all right, let's do it again. Let's finish what I started. <laughs> and he goes, all right, be healed. And Jesus puts his hands over the man a second time, and he's completely brought back. This is cool. So in 23, where it talks about Jesus led him and laid hands over his eyes. Um, this is actually the Greek word oma can refer to both physical and spiritual sight. So it wasn't purely the physical aspect that he was healing the guy. Mm-hmm. He was going, no, 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 no. This is, this is not just one thing. It's not like healing you physically and that's done. Mm-hmm. It's both. So I think like this, this compelling, passionate desire in us to actually follow the love that Christ has is based on just, hey, now you're physically healed or whatever. It's about both things. It's about opening the eyes of both your heart and, you know, if it blind eyes you're healing, then cool. So be it. But it's both aspects. Yeah. And then it's... It, then the Aramaic can be translated, Jesus placed his hands over his eyes and brought light. And I was like, that's awesome, because it's not purely like the natural light. It's actually the light of eternity. And I think when we actually engage in the way that Jesus engaged people, we have the ability to bring, yeah, natural light, or, you know, these aspects of natural love, but the other aspect is the spiritual freedom and the spiritual light of actually setting someone free and on their course for which they have been called and set apart for. It's not just, it's not just the physical stuff. It's not just the ailment. It's, yeah, Raymond's talking about this uh, awesome revelation about being poor in spirit and then being poor naturally. It's solving both. You know what I mean? It's like, it's both aspects. Jesus gives you the full kit and caboodle to actually solve it. I think it's really interesting. Like, what does it actually mean to follow Jesus? Really? Mark talks about it. He says, it's three things. To follow Jesus is about self-denial. It's not about not my needs only, my priority is Him. It's not about cross-bearing, carry the weight that Jesus carried, meaning that we feel the weight that He feels. We feel the weight that He feels. I remember this prayer a few years ago. It's like, God, let me feel, Jesus, let me feel the weight of your sacrifice. Because the understanding of the emotional weight, the spiritual weight of what He went through for us. I, I, wanna, I, wanna be able to, <laughs> I wanna be able to synchronize my heart with that. So that I have the perception that he had when he was walking around going and, and spreading the good news. Because it is on us. We were created in his image. So are we praying or, you know, it's like, I love that cross-bearing sounds so Christian. Cross-bearing. But it, it's like, it's understanding the weight of his sacrifice. And then it's about daily living, right? It's not just about some performance. It's not just about the performance of, yeah, I'm a Christian. I, I don't know. Social Christian. Liking the idea of following Jesus versus actually doing it. Told two totally different things. So it's about really like, okay, I, I want to follow Jesus in, this, in that way of self-denial. Feeling the weight that he felt so I have his perception. And then doing it every single day. That's the provocative love that will provoke people to follow him in a way where we see our workplaces change. We see whatever environment that we have stewardship or our hand in whatever the Bible study your company speaking engagements whatever workplace does not matter it's everything but it's like alright through that perception of his eyes can we love in the same way that he did we can yeah and to finish it it's just cool Mark was not actually a perfect dude what? I know who would have thought he traveled with Paul he traveled with Barnabas and actually at a point Paul was like, you not keep, he like, whatever, he messed up. 
And Paul actually said to, to, um, to Mark, he's like, you can't, you, can't, you can't come with me anymore. You're not doing it. But Barnabas is like, who they also called the great encourager. It's a great name. Yeah. They called him the great encourager. That's a good one. Uh, he said, no, no, you, you come with me. And Mark continued to do ministry with Barnabas throughout the New Testament and or throughout the areas that they traveled. In the end, wrote the book of Mark. So I thought it was this really awesome picture of like, <coughs> hey, even being transparent about missing it on Thursday, right? Whatever. Mark missed it, and he wrote a book of the Bible. <laughs> Come on. That gives me some hope, right? But I also think it's like, you know, it's like we, as long as our agenda and our, and our desire is to be exactly as Christ is, right? Come on, I just want to follow you yeah. and do what you said. Yeah. I want to love like you did. You said that I can do this stuff, so I'm just going to believe because it's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even in our human finite failings, he still goes down. Your, your call is not extinguished. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it's like reading that book where that guy could have perhaps maybe, and I haven't let it seem like the Barnabas community aspect, even that little sub-subject sub matter of Barnabas being like, no, 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 you didn't fail, man. Come on. You even arrest even the ability of what community is for us. Mm-hmm. It's like being those friends and those engaging individuals. Like, no, 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 it doesn't matter. Come on, let's get back up. Let's continue to do it. Because yeah. I think it's like, okay, it will not extinguish. Yeah. As long as we're just faithful, that daily living pace, keep doing it. So let's love like Jesus as we go out tomorrow, as we go out tonight. You know, it's like, stop, wait. I, I laugh. I was looking at, um, <laughs> look, I, I deleted some social media apps Monday last week. And I was like, man, I feel so much more productive because I'm not staring at my phone all the time. And I, it's like sometimes you talk about like the discipline aspect that sometimes we have to do. Like what if we just got outside of the stuff that's normal? Just a little bit. Delete it. Discipline yourself so you give God actually some space to move. Okay, that's super convicting right now. For <laughs> but it's like, man, what if I had that extra 20 minutes? 30, 40, I don't know, hour, two, whatever. I mean, look at your usage and then you can tell me. Um, but it's, I give space to God to actually use me. Yeah. Be deliberate about it. Because I think that's the thing. Always be deliberate about it. So, we're going to love like Jesus this week? Yeah. Come on. All right. Awesome. So fun to talk to you guys tonight. <laughs>